Don't Call Me Girl Boss is about sharing women small business owners' real, unfiltered, and relatable business journeys in Texas and California. I am your host, Jessica Ray Buck, a small business owner myself. I interview amazing women who share exactly how they got to where they are today. I hope this encourages anyone listening to start a business or get better in the business they are in. Hey guys, thank you for choosing to listen to another episode of Don't Call Me Girl Bosses. If, if this is your first episode, thank you so much for just choosing to be here. And I really hope you find some value from this. I skipped last week because of what was going on in Austin, Texas. We had the worst snowstorm we have seen in 30 years. People lost power, water, really everything, resources. There was a gas scare. There was no food in the grocery stores. Um, it was actually a really scary time. And I wanted to respect what people were going through and not post an episode. And I also was worried that we would lose electricity mid-recording and not have Wi-Fi. So that is why last week was skipped. And on that topic, I wanted to talk a little bit about a crisis and having a business. I do think it is very important when something like as big as what happened in Austin, Texas is going on where you live. I do think it's important to put a little pause on posting, hey, buy myself tan mousse on my IG stories and really read the room and share resources to help people find water. I was doing um, where to get your hair washed at a salon, um, getting groceries, where to donate money, just so many different things. I think that was so important and I'm so glad I did that and I saw the people not and that's fine. But I will tell you, people were realizing people that were just still not caring and were posting like normal. So when something like that is going on in your community, I really, really recommend that you share resources and stop kind of selling as much on your Instagram. I know it's hard because you have to make a living, but I do think there's a fine line. So just read the room and do the best you can in that situation we had 2020, the whole year of COVID. Um, 2021 has brought the snowstorm in Austin, Texas. So I just think it's important as business owners to do the best we can to help our community when things like that happen. So just keep that in mind. If something were to happen again in your community or anything like that, I would do what I did again. And But it's, of course, up to you. But that is just my recommendation to really just put a pause on posting like you normally would and do the best you can to help your community. It's not going to last forever, but in that time, it is important. Um, if this is your first episode that you are listening to, I have been sharing my little salon journey in Austin, Texas. So I am trying to open up a hair salon in Austin. I'm kind of expanding out on what I'm doing right now, which is spray tanning. A little bit different than what I have done in the past, but just excited to do something different and I've been looking at salon spaces for months and it has been very difficult. Um, finding the right space in Austin is not easy. So I've been told the craziest things by realtors. Um, I need $100,000 to start a salon. I need $70,000 just for them to hold on to to make sure they trust me as a tenant and they'll give it back to me over a few years just crazy things. And if you are looking for a space and you're getting told this, don't give up. 
there are there is the right space out there for you. I do want to sh- shed some light on how commercial real estate works. So you have a base pay per square foot, and then a lot of places charge triple net. So that's pays for property tax, really property tax, and maybe they throw in some other stuff in there. But that's what that's for. So if you're looking for a space with like a target in it or any of those type of places, they're most likely going to charge a triple net. So that's super common. Um, I've seen in Austin, Texas, just to give you guys a range, I don't know anywhere else, but um, properties are ranging from $20 to $40 a square foot. $40 is on the very high end and that's brand new property space in Austin. And triple net I've been seeing is anywhere from really 10 to 15 is what I've been seeing. So you add those two numbers up, times it by 12, no, sorry, times it by the square footage and then divide it by 12 is how you get how much your rent would be. So I'm just sharing that. So if that is something that you are looking for in the future, you can start and kind of get an idea of what I'm looking at and kind of how to budget in the future for yourself. But yeah, so I'm going through that. I actually found a property off the market. So thankful for that because there's a lot of competition right now of even hairdressers, hair salons trying to do the exact same concept I am. I've been told by realtors like, oh, you're the fifth salon that's called me wanting this space. So I know what I'm competing against. And um, so to find something off the market was really awesome. I'm going to see that on Monday. So I will have an update next week of how that goes. It is a second generation. So second generation means, I've learned this term recently, that means it's not a shell. So realtors will consider a blank space is just, they'll call it a shell because there's literally nothing in it, no walls, no bathroom, nothing. So they want you to come in and pay for the entire build out from the AC to the bathroom, which is something I'm not going to do because that's a lot of money. So a second generation space would be something that was already in there prior to you being in there. So for example, this space that I'm going to look at on Monday was already a hair salon before. So it's considered a second generation hair salon. So for me, I've realized after my search that I need a second generation place so that my build out's not as expensive. Um, so to be able to find an actual hair salon that's a second generation is even better because the plumbing for shampoo bowls can get expensive. So I'm super excited. I really hope it works out. I actually drove by the property on Friday. It looks good, but I can't see the back area through the window. So I will have an update, like I said, next week on that. But there is some insight for you if you are interested in opening up a brick and mortar as well. Um, Those are some terms that would have been helpful to me. Um, One other tip that I would share is commercial realtors are very difficult to work with. There's not a lot of money in certain spaces for them to make when they're working with you. So I've noticed they don't work very hard. And so I'm currently not using a commercial realtor. I'm doing everything on my own and kind of becoming a realtor, I guess. Like I know all these questions and it's just a wild journey, but you don't have to use a commercial realtor. So do what's best for you. If you don't have any time to do it, it is a great way to go is using a realtor. Just know that the process might take longer and they might not be as enthusiastic as you are about finding a space. So there's my update on that. And the guest that I have on this week, I'm really excited about because she's in the UK. This is my first 
out of country and really outside of California and Texas guests that I've had on here. And the reason I found her is because I came out with my Sunless Ray spray tan manual and I wanted someone to edit all the pages in there. And so I posted on Instagram like, hey, looking for an editor. Does anyone know anyone? And someone recommended Brianna, who is the guest this week. And she is an editor. She started her business in January. And she goes into her entire story. You know, she started this business because of COVID in the UK. The um, the shutdown has been way stricter than the United States. And she's going to go through that journey and how she started her business and just how even when something as terrible as COVID is going on, you can really rise up and do the best you can with your situation. And also how important written word is and how important it is if you are a business and you are selling written word. Um, you need to sound professional. You need to have right, correct grammar. Spell check isn't enough. They're not going to catch certain things. So that was important to me in writing my manual that I didn't want to get an email like, hey, this word's spelled wrong or hey, like I spent my hard-earned money on this and there's so many grammar mistakes. I wanted to be really professional and put just everything I could into something. So I was just excited to find Brianna and she's someone I'll be, you know, working with in the future when I need something edited. And I just want to share this expertise with you and that knowing that this service is out there, she edits anything from blog posts to Instagram captions. I mean, there's so much word that we're reading every day online. And as a business, you want to come off as professional as possible. So I love Brianna. I think she has so much skill and so much talent. And if you are looking for someone to edit the things that you do, blog posts, whatever, she's a perfect person. She's very reasonably priced. And I just love her story. And I can't wait for you to meet her a little bit more through this episode. So without further ado, here is Brianna. We've been, this is our third lockdown. And we've been in it since our area since the day after Christmas. So... And is it like full, like no businesses open, nothing? No. So you can go to work if you can't work from home, but I mean like restaurants and pubs and things like that are all closed. So really the people who can't work from home would be like builders going to work on construction sites and things like that. But all like non-essential shops and restaurants and everything are closed. So and like nails and hair and all that. Yeah, and those are going to be closed until, what was it, uh, 12th of April, I think. So, yeah, Mm -hmm. but they've at least given, like, basically at the end of March, I think a couple of things change. Not many things change at the end of March. Kids get to go back to school in March, which is good because schools have been closed all this time as well. Then, um, yeah, into April, it's like pubs can reopen, but only, like, beer gardens. You can't go inside anywhere. And then May, you finally start to see some real changes. International travel will open back up in May, which is good. Um, And then June is when, like, supposedly all restrictions are going to go away. I'll believe it when I see it, but I hope it's true. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. And have they given any support to, like, um, over here we're getting, like, stimulus checks and PPP loans for businesses? Yeah, it's been, um, so since last March, there's been a furlough scheme in place where businesses can furlough their um, employees and the government will pay 80% of their wages. 
um so they've been doing that every month since last march and i think i i think they've just extended it to like october or something so it's gonna by the time it finishes it will have been almost two years that they've been paying like 80 percent of a lot of people's wages that's a lot of money that's more than the u.s is getting a lot more because you can make um it, there's a cap that's 2500 pounds per month but that is it's 80 percent of whatever you made um some businesses if they can afford it are covering the other 20 percent so that people don't have to take a pay cut at all but most of them can't afford it really so they're most people have just had to make it work on 80 percent of their pay wow. but so if you made 100 grand a year you would still be getting 80 grand a year for not doing anything so it's just so crazy because yeah it's still bad here in the u.s but um we're pretty much opened back up and a lot of people have i feel like just been kind of like i'm over it like i'm opening up my business anyway has anyone been like that out there you can't you definitely couldn't reopen your business you'd get like massively fined or i think oh, really? i don't even know you might be arrested i don't know um wow. yeah here it wasn't like that yeah. like nothing would happen to you yeah it's really bad like it's really bad that there wasn't like ever a nationwide thing either it was all just like down to the states because like i'm from arkansas originally and there was like nothing i think there was like three weeks where everyone kind of stayed home and then like nothing after yeah. that i mean i think they have a mask mandate but i think that's it <laughs> so well on that topic so you grew up in arkansas yeah i was born in i'm kind of a i call myself a mutt um I was born in Arkansas and then I grew up for 10 years in Southern California when I was young and went back to Arkansas for many years uh, and then I met my husband who is English and two years ago I moved to the UK. <laughs> wow was he living in the U.S. Um, for work or school? No he we both at the time were working in travel we both still work in travel um and we met at a work conference in Vegas, of all places. <laughs> um, he was my last meeting of an entire week of this conference. And um, we just hit it off and started dating. Um, and he had a job that had him in the US pretty much every month, sometimes every six weeks. So we just made it work with his trips for work. I would go see him after or he would come see me after. Um, we did long distance for about a year and a half before I moved here. That's crazy. So did you know, like in the back of your mind, like, okay, I might have to move to the UK if I date this guy? Well, yeah. I mean, you know, when you meet, I mean, I met him, like I said, it was the last day of this conference. Like, I really didn't think I was ever going to see him again. It was like, we had dinner. Cool. I was like, great. This was a fun thing, but I'm never going to see this person again. And then like, lo and behold, we just kept talking and started dating. And obviously I was like, hang on what's gonna happen here and it was like a whirlwind we got engaged eight months after we met oh wow um, <laughs> um and so we he was open to the idea of moving to the u.s too but um we just had to weigh things up with our work situations at the time and it just made more sense for me to come here so but i have been obsessed with the uk since i was like really little so i was like fine with me to the UK yeah. I really love it here yeah uh, my dad was actually born in the UK and my grandpa has an English accent still he was born in Hull like I don't know if you know where that is but it's like a tiny oh. town yeah Hull um so fun fact my husband is downstairs watching a football game soccer um and our team that we support is playing Hull oh. <laughs> 
yeah that's so funny it's like a tiny town yeah that's where my dad was from and he moved to the u.s when he was four that's cool yeah what i haven't or... does what what brought them there work or um yeah my grandpa's actually a toy inventor so he um came out to the u.s to work for mattel so he like um designed like the barbie um, motorhome and thing the barbie townhouse so, yeah he was part of like oh. i know oh, super so you, random you just had the best toys ever growing up then obviously not really no i didn't <laughs> Because he, I think he was retired by then. So we got like the super first model that I was like, what is this? You're like, what is this vintage toy? Yeah. And he's like, well, don't really touch it because it's like a first edition. I'm like, okay. You're like, cool. So I can't even play with the old toy. Yeah. I'm like, this is stupid. So yeah, but no perks. You think he was retired by then. But um, yeah, so that's what brought him to the US was to work for Mattel. What do your parents do? Uh, so I was raised by a single mom, um, and she had lots of different jobs when I was growing up, all different sorts of things, office jobs and things like that. Um, but she doesn't work anymore, and I'm really glad for her because I've wanted her to not have to work so hard for my entire life. How is she able not to work now? Is she? She has met a fantastic man who works really hard and takes care of her. Well, I'm glad she finally gets yeah. a break. She's finally like, oh, all those years, it paid off. <laughs> yeah. She, she was a single mom of three kids um, oh, and wow. I was the oldest. My sister is five and a half years younger than me and my brother's 10 years younger than me. Um, he just turned 18. So it's kind of like all of her, all of her things falling into place. She doesn't work anymore. We're all adults now. So I'm, I'm glad for her to just have some time for herself now. Yeah. With that big of an age difference, you probably took on some mom roles yourself then, right? Yeah, my mom always calls me her co-parent. Um, yeah, I, I did, I did, definitely did. It's, it's funny now that they're older because they always have to remind me, like, you're not my mom, my brother and sister, and I'm like, well, kinda. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I definitely, you know, when when we moved back from California to Arkansas, I was 14, and my brother was four, so. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, he was actually only three. He was almost four. But yeah, he was really little. So my mom was working and stuff. And so, of course, I had to help out and, and yeah. that sort of thing. But I didn't mind. I love I, being a big sister. It was like my favorite thing so far. So did she want to be right out of high school? Oh, my word. I I was just talking about this the other day. I think when I originally went to college, I was thinking journalism. But then I changed it pretty quickly to saying that I was going to go to law school which I'm really glad I didn't do. Um, but I took the LSAT and everything. Like I was really going to go to law school. Um, and then just basically I kind of took the LSAT. I did all right. I mean, I didn't do badly, but I was just like, oh my gosh, I hated that experience so much. I just don't think any of this interests me. So I just completely turned tail and decided to go to a master's program for creative writing instead. So I, um, I did that, uh, far less lucrative career <laughs> and, um, it was the best thing I ever did. So I'm really glad that I, I decided to go that route. What pursued you to do writing? Yeah, I've always been a reader. I've been, before I could read, I would memorize books and convince my mom's friends that I could read. Um, and then she'd be like, she's lying. She cannot read. Um, but 
Issa, I've been writing since I was really young. I had poetry notebooks when I was like eight. So (laughs) I've always loved that. Um, And then, yeah, basically in undergrad, I had some really, really fantastic mentors in some of my classes. Um, uh, Dave Joss was my main mentor in undergrad. And then also Nicole Brown, who's a really, really fantastic writer and poet. Um, And just working with them, they both were like, girl, you need to be going to school for this. So I just decided to go to the master's program where Dave Joss was on the faculty and also where Nicole Brown had gotten her master's. So that's, that's how I ended up there. And where was this at? So it's a school called Vermont College of Fine Arts. Um, it's a low residency program. So you do most of it from home. You do packets each month, one-on-one with an advisor. And then twice a year, you go to Vermont for 10 days at a time and do what's called a residency where you do workshops and you go to readings and you go to lectures and things like that. So it's a really intense time, but really, really amazing. And then what was your goal when you got done with that? Where did you see your career going? Well, so very strangely, I happened upon my job, my first job in the travel industry while I was in grad school. Um, Basically, I had been at a job that I really didn't like for about five years. I worked all through college and everything and um, had been late from that job and was working like part time in a restaurant at the weekends Um, and making really good money doing that. So I was like, you know what, I'm just going to do this while I'm in grad school. And then very randomly, one of my friends contacted me and said, would I be interested in a really easy job um, as a receptionist at this travel agency that her like mom's friend owned or something? And I was like, well, I don't know. I don't really want like a full-time job right now because I'm in grad school. She's like, you can do your work at the desk and everything. I was like, oh, okay, well, fine. So got the job at Poe Travel as a receptionist, but ended up only being the receptionist for about a month because like, oh no, we're putting you to work. You're you're going into doing other things. So I ended up uh, having a really fantastic job with them that I stayed at for three years until I moved to the UK. Um, and I actually work with them now as some of my clients, like I do all of their marketing and their writing and their social media and all of that. So it's really great. That's awesome that that worked out. And it's kind of like, you didn't really have to have that stress of looking for a job after college. Like I know that could be a stressful time. Yeah, I, I very much happened upon it. And now like a lot of the clients that I work with in this business that I've started are in the travel industry as well, because I've worked for like over five years in the travel industry now. Um, So I've done a lot of travel writing and things like that. So it's just a natural, very easy demographic for me to be able to work with um, because I know the industry well now. So what is it exactly you're doing now? So I started in January, uh, my new company, Be Your Editor. Um, where I do professional editing services and content writing. Um, It's interesting because kind of no two days are the same. I work with individuals who are writing, you know, a book or something and they need an editor, or I can work with companies who need materials edited before they go to print or before they go on their website. Um, And then I work with companies who need just content written for their, for their web, for uh, social media, for, brochures, things like this. So it's like a real variety of 
clients that I'm working with now, which I really like because yeah, it, it's, it's a real, everything is different. I never feel like I'm sitting doing the same thing for ages, which is nice. Yeah. What made you want to go on your own and leave your job? Well, so I didn't leave my job. Um, I have had a crazy last year because of COVID. Um, I was working for a company in London, um, a travel company in London, and they kind of jumped the gun and let a bunch of people go before the furlough scheme was put in place. Um, and they had the option to bring us back and put us on furlough, but they decided not to do it for whatever reason. So I was out of work then for about three months, um, like put in a hundred job applications at random places, nothing was happening. Um, and in June, Po Travel, who I work with in the US, they contacted me and their marketing person was leaving. So they said, did I want to do all of their marketing like part time? Because again, the travel industry has been so hard hit by COVID. Yeah. Um, they couldn't bring me on full time. So I said, yeah, of course, I love working with them. So that was an easy choice. And then in the meantime, I was just doing like part time. I worked at a pub for a while, which I didn't like. Um, and then I found a pretty good part-time job at this little cafe. So I was just doing that for a bit. That's been closed now since November or something. Um, so I've been on furlough with them for a while, but, um, basically in January, I was just thinking like what I do for Poe Travel, I could easily do for other people because I'm only part-time with them anyway. And... I was already kind of editing friends things for, as like favors or like even I already had a few people who would like kind of pay me to do these sorts of things and I was like I should make this a business like I'm already doing it and I love doing it so why not just expand what I'm doing and it happened so quickly I basically just decided to do it made like an Instagram and a website super quickly and then within like a week I've, I had like multiple clients already lined up. It was the most bizarre thing. <laughs> Where do you so, think those clients came from? It was all word of mouth. The, the ones that came right away. Um, it was like friends in the travel industry. Cause like with, with travel industry being in the state it's in, um, a lot of people have had to let go of like permanent staff that maybe were doing their marketing or doing their content writing. Um, so freelancers, hiring a freelancer is a lot cheaper than having a full-time staff member who you have to pay benefits and things for, you know, all that sort of thing. So there are a lot of companies that need, need it because the people who are, who are left on their teams are really overrun because people have been let go. Um, so yeah, I, most of them have just been through word of mouth. I had a friend whose who's blog I've edited for a while now. She's connected me with like two or three different people because she has really good industry contacts. And I know you found me like through word of mouth as well. It's just yeah. been like really crazy. Um, I'm, it's actually now like I'm, I've been doing it now for officially for just over a month. And I'm now even getting anxious. Like I'm going to get I'm going to be overrun with too much stuff. So that's a good problem to have. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm so glad that you could come on because I love to talk to people who are literally just starting their business because I feel like it's so relatable and it's makes it seem more achievable for people who are listening. Like, wow, she did it. Like, look at her situation. Like you have, you know, to be honest, a really rough situation in the UK, but what can I do with that situation? Yeah. It was like, I had, you know, for months, I was just kind of making do with, with what I had. And then I was kind of like, hang on, there's a way for me to do this. And also 
it comes with all the flexibility of like, I don't have to answer to anyone. I don't have to ask for time off if I want to go somewhere. It's, it's just down to me, which I love. Um, and it's been such a, like, I didn't expect what a high it is, like chasing business and um, building something of your own. Like it really is such an exciting thing. And honestly, it's like the only thing that's made me feel excited or motivated like since COVID started <laughs> so yeah. it's been really refreshing I feel like a different person than I was a month and a half ago because I feel like it's made me so much more positive overall yeah well I'm glad you found that I think that's the hardest thing is finding like everyone wants to own a business everyone wants to work for themselves but like what is that thing and you know you found your talent and you found that talent in college and now you're able to make mm-hmm. a business out of it yeah, it's nice, you know, that I'm actually using a combination now of my degrees and my work experience as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I had done, like, through my work and travel, I had done various different writing things, but overall, I wasn't really using my degrees. And so to be able to use both is kind of like the ideal thing. Yeah, it's like your student loans are worth something now. <laughs> <laughs> I know so do you think it's different if you were to have your business in the U.S. versus the U.K.? Um, I don't know because I'm working with clients from both places so I don't really yeah. know I think if I had never moved here I wouldn't have any access to any of the clients I do have here which would be a shame because I've got some really good ones here um, but I kind of like that I've got you know clients on both sides of the pond I like being able they're very different uh working with English people is very different to working with American people but what's the um, biggest difference I I feel like when it's just like small things I feel like when you email or talk on the phone with like American people you can be really direct and like no one thinks you're being rude but in the UK you've got to be a bit more like a little beat around the bush you got to be a little bit more polite like they don't they don't like super super direct so when I first moved here I remember I had to like really adjust the way that I just said things because I didn't want to ever come off as rude yeah and that was like not my intention but I think that um, sometimes just because Americans are really direct we can come off that way to uh British people in general (laughs) (laughs) and so you're full-time in your business a hundred percent and you're not going to go back looking for a full-time job when this is open back up or anything yeah I mean I'm always like of course open to whatever's going to happen I'm never going to like shut down something that could potentially be good but for now this is my focus I mean I'm still like I said I'm working it's funny because I'm working part-time with Poe Travel but technically they're they're one of my clients because I'm doing all the stuff for them that I do for other clients as well so it feels like two separate things, but really it's not. It's all under the same umbrella. Do they so. 1099 you? I don't know if that's a thing in the UK or there. if it's over the US to the UK, do they still 1099 you? No, I don't know how it works on their end, like what they have to do for their taxes and stuff. But here I just file as self-employed and I keep all of my invoices that I send them and things like that. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, they don't. I don't have to have anything from them really. I just have to have my invoices that I've sent them. Okay, great. That makes it easy. And then I wanted to talk about, okay, so why is it, I know the importance, but I've talked to people and I was like, oh, I'm going to hire an editor to look at my training manual. And I remember one saying like, why would you do that? Like there's spell check in your email or something. And I was like, 
Like I know the value, but I wanted you to explain the value and why it is so important. Yeah. So it's a lot more than spelling because you can always use a spell check and everything. But also one thing is spell check doesn't catch things like if you write then instead of the, it's like spell check's not going to catch that. But needing an editor goes a lot, like a long way beyond that because one, one thing that I know to be true is that when you write something, you're close to it and you can't see what it could be. You can't see things that other people will see really quickly, especially someone with a trained eye. So, you know, my main thing is when I get a piece of work from someone, I want to maintain their voice. I want to maintain their original tone and everything like that. But I just want to make the whole thing more readable. And that goes down to like, changing the way sentences are structured or if they've written something in a really long convoluted way I can see you know what this is a much like more straightforward way to say that this here you go and I always like well I usually do all of my stuff in track changes in Microsoft Word so that the author can see every change I've made and they can reject it or they can accept it it's their choice they don't have to accept all the changes that I've made but most of the time people come back and go I don't know why I didn't think to word it that way. That is so much better. Mm -hmm. And sometimes there are bigger issues as well. You know, like I can go back, a client could have written a blog post and I can go back and just be like, I don't think that you're saying what you want to say at all in this. And like, you need to redo it. And so that sort of honest opinion though, makes the difference because when someone's content goes up and it's not as good as it should be, their readers are going to see it even if they don't have a trained eye for grammar and usage and spelling and all of that they're going to see like this is not super clean work so to me it's always worth it and then on the content writing side obviously some people just don't have the time to do the content writing but also the skill um you know if you're not a writer by profession or you know you can really struggle to write good copy and it's a detriment to your company. Well, also on social media, even the captions, like that's, I think they call it a micro blog, the caption. How many times are you going through it and seeing people's stuff and like, oh my gosh, grammar, grammar, this is real weird. It's so hard. It's really, really hard because like, there's a part of me that just wants to comment and be like, hey, let me know if you ever need editing services, but that's so passive aggressive. So of course I don't do that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's mostly usage is the main thing I see there. So like using the wrong your or using the wrong there or things like that. And I've, I've just always been obsessed with grammar and usage. So to me, when I see those things, it's just like cringe, cringe, cringe. I can't, I can't yeah. handle it. Um, but yeah, the, I mean, when I see small businesses with stuff like that, obviously I would not publicly comment on it and say like, let me, you need an editor, but <laughs> I might email them and say like, hi, I think your social media is really great. Uh, let me know if you ever need any help with anything, not being rude, of course, but just yeah. trying to offer my services where I think they could prob- probably be used. <laughs> So, but where does that go? So some people don't have the budget, but like, you know, you need someone like you. So where is like the happy medium? Well, I mean, if you don't have the budget, then obviously you just have to make do with what you got. I mean, definitely use as many spell check things as you can, but grammar is a whole different beast because if it's not something that you're 
really familiar with, you're gonna struggle. I mean, it's hard to learn <laughs> that sort of thing as an adult anyway, when you've got so many habits already ingrained in you. Um, but I think if you're writing anything, I mean, literally even just Google, like if, if something doesn't seem right to you, just Google, like, you know, do I use this there or that there? Do I, you know, how to, how to know which one to use? You can find it a lot of times. Um, it's just, it's, it's just difficult. Obviously I think everyone, should, I think everyone should use an editor. And then where do you think it's like influencers? I'm sure you know that whole um, industry. Do you think every influencer should be having a copywriter, especially if they have a blog? If they have a blog, I think definitely. I think there's a little less pressure on social media uh, captions and things. People are a bit more forgiving about them. Uh, and I feel like most of the influencers I see, they're not making major, major mistakes in their um in their captions and they tend to be really they are short and snappy so they're they're not they don't tend to be too bad but if you're doing any sort of long form blogging anything like that i i think that you should always have an editor mm -hmm. and what is the price range for hiring an editor for let's just say like a blog post like a two to three page blog post yeah so i mean obviously i can only speak for myself but i did base my prices off of like sort of industry standards I put my prices in the middle basically because I'm just starting out. Some people are less expensive than me if they have absolutely no experience in editing. I, I have done editing before, just the business is new. Um, and then some people are more expensive than me as well because they've been doing it for 20 years or something. So of course they're gonna be more expensive. Um, my prices range a bit. For like a short blog post, 1500 words. I usually only charge like 20 bucks to edit it. It's not, that's yes. doesn't take me very much time. Yeah. Yeah. And then as it gets longer, you just have to look at pricing it. You can do it word or per page. It doesn't matter how you do it, but um, yeah, it, it just ranges after that, depending on how long it gets. I usually say for a, for a double spaced document, I usually say five US dollars per page after after the 1500 word mark um so obviously if someone sends me a novel to edit and it's 500 pages that's going to be expensive yeah um if someone sends me a 10 page document that's only it's 50 bucks so it's not that bad okay well that's very affordable i think if you're an influencer and you're listening to this and you want to be professional because brands are reading your blog posts like you want to think about who they want to align themselves with if they're seeing some you know woman on these blog posts is just like can't make any sense in her writing or is making constant grammar mistakes that can affect your paycheck yeah for sure and you don't I realize when, it no exactly I think brands will always want to work with you if your writing is really clear concise and easily readable because they want people to be able to read it and not get confused about what they're reading and a lot of people read or sorry write the way that they talk which is fine sometimes but we don't realize how much when we talk we say so many extra words that we don't need to say that mm -hmm. you can cut down when you write to make something so much easier to understand and brands know that because they have people on their marketing team who do that professional writing for them and they will want people who they're partnering with to have that same clear concise message as well and that's what you can get with an editor 
I mean, then as far as like the content writing, the pricing really varies. I have to, I really have to have a like phone conversation to figure out about content writing because it totally depends on how much research is going to go into it for me, how much time and, and everything, because like, I have to bill for all of my time for that. Um, you know, I think as a, as an estimate for short pieces, um, in the UK, I would charge probably 75 pounds per short, like for, per blog post, um, uh, that comes out to about a hundred bucks in the U S um, depends on the exchange rate, but yeah, those things I price on a per like project basis because every piece of content writing is very, very different. So there's no way for me to just do a blanket price for that. And have you heard, like, can you make it SEO friendly? Have you heard that term as search yeah. optimization is, I mean, I know I worked in designing websites and stuff before I started my business. So um, I'm familiar with that term, but I'm curious if other businesses will throw that term at you as well. Yeah, it's definitely something I've heard. Um, it's not something that any of my clients right now really focus on too much. But again, I think when you write in a clear, concise way, it naturally becomes SEO friendly because you get those keywords in there that are needed um, because you're not kind of putting in too much flowery language that covers up those key words that you would be looking for, for SEO, you know, for search engine optimization. So um, yeah, it's something that I think businesses definitely care about, but none of my clients are overly like focused on the analytics. So yeah. And if you're listening to this and you don't know what SEO means, it basically means like if you were to write a, if I was to write a blog post about why you should come get a spray tan for me, it would be making sure I have spray tan, spray tanning, Austin, Texas in it, um, organic spray tan, mobile spray tan. Like I would tell her like, Hey, have these keywords in here because I want it to be a specific way. And that would make your job probably harder. Cause you're like, great. Yeah. I need to just throw in these a terms. Lot of the, like for Poe travel, they use square space for their website. And so you can put in as tags also all of those words so even if they don't directly appear in it you can make sure that it's tagged to come up you know if someone searches whatever term adventure travel that it will come up eventually on the on, on there as well but yeah I mean it's it's definitely something to focus on and I think a lot of businesses are really really focused on analytics and they should be um but for whatever reason just none of the clients I have right now are like pounding me about analytics which is good <laughs> that is good um and the term copywriting does that kind of encompass everything that you do I know that word is kind of thrown around like if you can maybe define that word or that term yeah so I would say copywriting is more like the content writing side of what I call it content writing um but copywriting is any writing that you do for your business so it's any writing that would appear to the public basically um, so yeah, I def that and then copy editing is the other side of that is editing that copy that's going to appear in front of your clients on whether it's web print anything. Yeah. And I did want to compliment you on how professional it was when I worked with you it was you had contracts. You were like, you need to sign this before I even work with you. And I've dealt with freelance before and I've never had that it was very like, oh, whatever. Oh. Yeah. And I know that can hurt you. So I respected that you did that. But where did that come from? And where did you learn that? So a few years back, when I still, when I was just out of college, I was in grad school, I did for a bit some freelance book publicity. Um, 
for so Nicole Brown who I who I mentioned that was my mentor she and her wife both had collections of poetry coming out the same year and they really needed someone to help them promote the books and they didn't have any time to do it basically and Nicole had worked in book publishing for years before that um so she sort of like apprenticed me while also I was doing like I was working for her. it was very strange um but um she sort of trained me up and they were the main two people that I worked with but I did get a few other clients when I was doing that um and I Nicole was like you really need to make sure that you just it doesn't have to be a long contract but you just need to make sure that you have an agreement um and that kind of started it for me and so when I started this basically, like I said, I made my Instagram, I made my website. And then like the third thing I did was that I just went and found a good template for just a simple letter of agreement that lays out all of the terms. It lays out what each side is going to do and what I'm going to be paid, what the client expects of me, what I expect of the client, all of that. And it puts all the terms out there and it's really only, it's only a two page document. So it's really easy, but it just ensures that obviously I will be paid for my work and it also protects the client as well because if I don't deliver on something they can go well look you sign this as well because I have to sign it too Mm -hmm. so you know it protects both sides and it just seems like good business practice to have it really when you're freelancing so I'd rather have it than not have you I noticed you didn't charge a deposit is that something maybe you'll do in in the future or is that something you don't think is necessary yes I guess it would depend on how big of a project something was, you know, if I was expecting to be paid like $1,500 or something, maybe I would ask for a deposit. If it's a smaller project, I'm not going to ask for it. I'm just going to go on good. And obviously I've got my letter of agreement as well before I ever start work. So it's not something I've had to think of yet because even like my bigger clients who I do more consistent work for, it's like per piece. So you know, I'm never asking for like a big lump payment or anything. So it's not something I've had to worry about yet. Um, again, if someone came to me 500 page novel, it might be something I would have to ask for, especially if I didn't know them. And have you had any issues with like tracking payment or been like having to call someone or follow up? Nothing like that yet. I've been keeping an Excel spreadsheet with all of my invoices that I've sent out very proud of my Excel spreadsheet. It's very organized and I've just got a column in it that says paid yes or no, but I haven't had any issues yet. My clients have been good as gold. Um, I know that could be an issue tracking down money can be a whole job in itself. Yeah. And it's, it's obviously like comfortable as well because you don't want to like set relationship with someone over it, but also like you have to be paid for your work. So it's a fine line balance. And, but I thankfully haven't had anything yet. I think the main thing I've had to navigate so far is getting people to understand sort of time boundaries and um, things like that. And also, you know, if some clients are a little tricky, like you can give them a quote for, let's say, uh, a more comprehensive service and then a a less expensive quote for a, a, a service that's not as comprehensive. And they'll take the less expensive one, but then they kind of try to sneak in getting you to do stuff from the more expensive quote. And I, you have to really like say no, because you have to value yourself or else like there's no point in, in doing what you're doing. Are those some of the biggest struggles then is just kind of having people not follow what they agreed to? Yeah, probably. I, like I said, I've been lucky so far. I haven't had very many struggles, but I think 
people, you know, you give them an inch, they'll take a, a mile. That's a human thing. So you just have to be, when you're working and you're managing all your own time and it's just down to you to get the work done, you really have to set boundaries to be to get all of your everything done for all of your clients because you don't want to do a disservice to one client because some other client is asking more than they're paying for you know so yeah it's it's tricky like starting out and learning all the time management and all of that aspect of it but it's something I find exciting no it's definitely exciting and it's figuring it out and getting better each day and with each client and like okay well I'm not going to do that again and get better each time is all you can really do. You must know that because I know your your line of work. You're like I think I in your manual you said you do appointments every 15 minutes when you're in the salon and stuff. So mm-hmm. time management would be like crucial. Yeah, you know everything about my business. I do. I really do. I know the ins and outs. I could go start a spray tanning business this minute if I wanted. You really to. think so? I I tried really hard in that guide, so I take that as a big compliment. No, I honestly I was like my husband was just there and he's like you still working on the spray tan thing and I was like yeah I've never had a spray tan or anything I'm super pale and I've just never had one I don't know why um but (laughs) I was like yeah I've learned a lot I know a lot about spray (laughs) well I'm glad the goal for that guide was for someone to feel comfortable to start a spray tan business after reading it so I'm glad that you said that I mean, I felt like I was ready to go out and file for my DBA. <laughs> <laughs> so what does a day in the life of like running your business like? So I know you're probably figuring all that out, but what do you find is the best way you're successful? So I feel really lucky because like I said, now I get to work on my own hours. I don't have to have nine to five office hours. Um, I'm not a morning person, like at all. I've never been, I had a job for five years that I had to be at work at 7am and I never got used to it. Um, they, in that office, they used to joke and say, don't talk to Brianna until 10. Like that, that was a thing. (laughs) That sounds like my boyfriend. He tells my my two-year-old son that. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I, I, but I, I love it now because I don't have to actually feel pressure to work in the mornings. If I don't want to, I can work whatever time is convenient to me, especially given that a lot of my clients are in the US, I've got a time difference with them anyway. So sometimes working in the afternoon or the evening is actually better. Um, Like for example, the work that I do for travel, I don't ever want to, I would never post anything for my morning because it'd be like 3am for them when I would be posting it and none of their clients would see it. So, um, so it actually works kind of well that I'm not a morning person now. But yeah, so typical day for me is I use the mornings to do things that I need to do around the house, which is nice. And then in the afternoons, I sit down and do whatever work it is I have that day. Like I said, it's really nice because no two days are the same. I could be editing a spray tan manual, or I could be editing a novel, or I could be writing content or whatever. So it's kind of nice. I just, I, I'm pretty um, obsessed with having a to-do list every day. Um, I am meticulous with my to-do lists. I have this, um, I'll have to send it, I'll have to give you an example of it, but, um, there's this author who I really admire named V.E. Schwab, and she posted on her Instagram this productivity log that she does every month to make sure that she's not ignoring certain tasks and only doing other tasks, and I was really intrigued by it, so I've started doing it myself, so I've got on there, like, sorry, I've got on there like um, 
of like writing for myself, writing for work, uh, admin, like emails, things like that, doing editing, doing reading, housework, like all different things that are important things for me to be doing all the time to make sure that I'm not neglecting any aspect for too long. So if I go a day without doing my personal writing, fine, but I don't want to go a week without doing my personal writing. Same for, I mean, I don't see how I could go a, a week without doing any work, but whatever. Um, same for stuff like that. It just keeps me balanced. So I've got that in a journal and then I've got a daily to-do list for each day as well. And I do my to-do list before I go to bed the night before. So that way it's done in the morning and I get up and I just start immediately doing things for it. Um, that keeps me focused and it's helpful, especially when, like I said, because no two days look the same, my to-do lists look very different every day. Um, and it makes it to where I don't forget about a project or forget about something. It just keeps it all right in the front of my mind. So I would definitely recommend that when you're like starting out on time management, I can send you an example of the yeah, chart I that I do. I would love I to find it really helpful. <laughs> yeah, share that with me, and I will post it on the, um, our Instagram. What? I send you each because hers is a lot prettier than mine. I have really horrendous handwriting, so <laughs> I might send you her. That's so ironic that you have bad handwriting. <laughs> I always have, even in like elementary school, I got like notes, like it, all the notes from my like oh she's such an enthusiastic student I was like the biggest nerd in school um they feel like she's such an enthusiastic student but she really needs to work on her penmanship (laughs) (laughs) and then you mentioned you do social media as well so are you creating graphics yeah it's a little different with um because I do Poe Travel's social media you can find them on Instagram at Poe Travel (laughs) P-O-E but it's travel. So really most of the photos and stuff come from hotels or from whatever destination. So I don't have to create very many graphics for them, but I have had to do some, um, when they've had events and stuff, I've had to create little things for them. Um, so I have a few different apps and I've been kind of honing that skill since last June. So, um, now while I'm doing my, my, uh, business Instagram, and I've also recently made a bookstagram because I read a lot um so I've started doing more graphics for both of those as well so I've taken out a couple of subscriptions for a couple of different image apps and things like that so which learning as I go which apps do you use so I use let's see what they're called I don't even know what they're called um uh well I have VSCO which I feel like uh, is that uh, do people call it that or do they call it like Visco Visco I don't know whatever I have got that (laughs) I've got Canva Canva I just use the free one I don't have a like a professional account same with Unfold and Over they're both really good ones then I took out a subscription to this one called Bazart yeah I I pay for that one too yeah yeah, it's a good one. Um, and then I just use like Unsplash and Pixabay and things like that for royalty-free images when I need them. Um, yeah, I'm just kind of learning as I go. I, I think sometimes that's what you have to do. Like I said, I had the idea for the business quickly, so I just went with it and take as I, as I go along, I guess. Canva, <laughs> I think you don't have to. Canva has been my yes. best friend. They have amazing templates. So like what I do is I play off the templates. And then delete yeah. stuff I don't like because it's hard for me to come with like a blank space and then create. But if there's something already there, I can kind of get a vision faster. Yeah. 
it's also just little things like things that seem stupid but like for my editing uh instagram i do um like when i do instagram stories even if i'm just sharing a post from someone else i always make the background color the same color i, do. I always <laughs> do the same font and the same like i do the uh the black like box around the font it always looks the same because I know how how important consistency is when you're just starting out to make things to where when people go to their your story they know it's yours without even needing to look at your handle yeah I do that too I think brand consistency goes a long way and it's just a good practice to get into I didn't learn that till way later in my business and now I'm really honing in on that so the sooner you can figure that out the easier your life will be because you'll eventually figure it out and have to do a whole revamp. So you either do it now. Yeah, I think obviously if you start something in the beginning and you don't like it, don't get discouraged. You can change it. It's not like the end of the world, but just try to be as consistent as you can be because it really, it's so weird. But I feel like when I go through, like I said, for businesses that I know and I like, and I'm looking at their stuff all the time, if I'm flicking through my stories, I will know it's them before I ever even look to see whose it is, you know, mm-hmm. I'll just be like, oh, this is such and such is because it looks like this. Um, it's super, it's something that I, I knew just from all the work I'd already done at Poe, thankfully, before I started my own thing. Um, yeah, I, but again, like you learn as you go. And, and if you do something in the, at the beginning that you don't love, just change it. It's not that big of a deal, but just once you change it, be consistent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The don't call me girl boss um, Instagram. I changed it like so many times. Like the people who originally started following me, they're probably like this girl's nuts because I just hated the aesthetic every time. And I probably changed it like four times. And finally, like, I'm just going to do the quote picture quote because it's easy in my mind. It looks professional and it's easy to yeah. look at. I mean, it's, it's funny too, though, because like the stuff on my grid is less consistent because the work that I do is so different. So I'm sharing things from all different things, which I think is all right, but that's why I make sure that my stories are like super consistent. Um, and when, and then any post that I do on my grid, I share it onto my story and put it in that same format to where it looks consistent as well. Um, yeah, I think it's sometimes hard to make all of the posts obviously look exactly in keeping with each other but it's yeah it's it's also about tone like your tone needs to always be consistent as well if you are like a quirky kind of business and you've got like a really upbeat tone then you need to make sure you've always got that if you're more serious more corporate then it needs to be consistent in that as well yeah there's so many things (laughs) it's exhausting I'm just thinking about it all I'm like oh my gosh I do try I I I forgot about the IG stories because I do that without even like, I've never talked to anyone about that. It's just something I do without even thinking about it. And when he said that, I'm like, yeah. oh my God, I'm so glad he said that. Cause I'm like, <laughs> is it the same text? Is it, do I want a white background, a black background? You know, like, I mean, I'm things. like obsessed with the point that my, so I do, like I said, do the black box behind my text, you know, and I make sure that the width of the black box is the width of the post that I'm sharing, like, or the photo <laughs> that I'm sharing or whatever it has to be like the exact same width. So it's like a column down the screen. Yeah, no, I get that being that meticulous because I'm pretty anal about those type of things too. And I'm just glad someone else can say that out loud. <laughs> there, there are more of us in the world. <laughs> I'm sure there's so many people like that, like that are just like on their IG, like spending like 20 minutes just to get one story up. And it's like about something, oh my like God. A, a repost. Like now that I have also entered the world of Bookstagram, 
oh my god like I'm starting to question myself because I will literally spend like 20 minutes doing a photo shoot of like books and different angles and different backgrounds and things like that and I'm like what am I doing? your husband walks in and you're like uh he comes in and I've got like coats scarves blankets that I'm using as backgrounds for these books he's just like what are you doing so funny uh he'll appreciate <laughs> it one day when we're rich that's what I told him I yeah <laughs> it was like just yeah he's been like back he's been pumped I think to just see me in a bit of a better mood in the last month since I've started this so. yeah I just can't imagine it's like I feel like the U.S. is getting better and then I'll see on the news something about the U.K. or I like love Love Island U.K. so like I follow like those influencers and I'll yeah. see them post like lockdown still happening I'm like huh it's yeah crazy. It's, um, yeah and the fact that this is our third one now because like the first one was three months the second one was really short it was only like a month and then this one has now been like well California has been on three and um their last one ended a few months like maybe a month ago yeah so they've been on three too but it's so weird because it's state by state yours is like all of the uk right well they tried to do here over the summer they did like regional lockdowns and things like that so there are places up north they they had really um high numbers there are places up north that almost have have basically not come out of lockdown in the last year because they never got their numbers down. Um, I'm sure they did for like a few weeks or something, but very, very short amounts of time that they were out of lockdown. They did like a tiered system, but it just was not working. People would just, it's kind of stupid if you think about it. We're like right on the edge of a tier, for example. So like an area for a tier. So when they tried to like lock us down or lock people next to us down, people would just come into our area or we would go into their area to get things instead. And it's like actually, cancels out the point so exactly what they gave up yeah they gave up on that eventually because they realized it wasn't working but oh, it's just been I, it's also crazy because I feel like I have been in them forever because I went home to visit the U.S. in December um I was supposed to go for Thanksgiving and it got canceled because of the lockdown in November um and then very strangely I just picked like a date two weeks later and went and we were out of lockdown and the window that I went home was basically the only window that we haven't been in lockdown um it was so weird I was gone for 10 days and I got back on the 18th of December and we went back into lockdown on the 26th so it was like really I was like close to being locked out kind of um but because I was going home, my mom has a heart condition. Um, so I was really, really nervous about passing anything to her. Um, so I didn't, we were locked down in November. Lockdown came out December 2nd and I was leaving for another like week after that, but I did not leave the house. I was, I was on lockdown for like that entire month because I was so nervous about getting and getting my mom sick. Yeah. Um, so I didn't even go to like the grocery store or anything. My husband did all of that during that time. I didn't do any. <laughs> the only thing I did was walk the dogs. That was it. Yeah. Um, so I basically feel that besides that two weeks, like that I went home to visit, I've been on lockdown since the 5th of November. Wow. Um, which time. feels like a really, really long time ago. <laughs> I haven't been to a pub. I haven't been to a pub in the UK since November 4th. 
and I miss the pub. Oh, well, hopefully it's like, the, it's funny because like people go out, obviously go to the pub to like have a big night out, but I, my husband and I just love to go to the pub and read. So we take our books and we just get like pints of beer and just sit there and read together. And I just miss doing that so much. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. It's just, I have like no words for it, to be honest. There's like nothing you can say. I'm just like, how is this um, still happening? Well, my gosh, there are people who are suffering a lot worse than not yeah. having to be able to go to the pub. There are plenty of people who haven't made it out alive. So in the end, it's a really small thing, but I will be happy on April 12th when we can go sit in at least a beer garden in a pub and take our books with us and have a pint and life will feel a little bit more normal. That will be nice. Yeah, definitely. Um, so where do you see your business or your years from now? Well, um, yeah, hopefully just still growing. Hopefully by then I'll have lots of really, really good contacts and ideally it would be great to get to a point when I'm having to turn business away because I just can't, uh, can't handle it all. Um, yeah, who knows? I mean, be great if I, if I had enough stuff that I needed like an assistant or something like that to handle my admin. Um, this isn't, you know, you have, you're, you have the type of small business where you've got employees and things like that. I won't have that really because it's just based on my brain um, but it, that's the only the skill that comes from my head but it would be great if I eventually like I said needed someone to handle the admin side of things that would be cool yeah um but yeah just continue to grow it and I think as I do more work then those people will hopefully tell business owners no business owners so hopefully they will tell their friends who also own businesses well, I never even heard of a copy editor until someone, I will, I knew it's a thing. Like I've heard of it before that I shouldn't have said that, but like, I didn't know any at the top of my head that I could like contract out. I didn't know any. And now you can just tell all of your other friends, like you, you have someone just, no, <laughs> I would for sure. And I'm going to, and it's just like, how did I not know a copy editor? I mean, I've never really gotten into the book space before. This is all new because of COVID for me as well. You're kind of having to change your business landscape. Um, and ebooks are huge right now. There's so many online coaches. Like that's a whole nother niche you can just like explode in. I think I read, um, I read somewhere, obviously this means when I say ebooks, I mean, even like fiction and stuff like that. But I think I read that ebook sales in 2020 were up 40% from the previous year, which is insane. I believe it because you know, people like me who have some kind of skill or something that they can teach someone, like make an ebook. It, you know, it's you make it one yeah, time. Part of it is like I think people were also more open to learning a new skill during this time because they like didn't just want to sit and watch TV all the time. And then similar with like fiction sales and things like that would have been way up because people would have been so tired of staring at a screen that they yeah. would have just been like, you know what, I'm going to read a book. Actually, I can't, I can't sit and look at a screen anymore. That's I mean, true. ebooks are screens still, but it's a different, it engages your brain in a very different way than watching Netflix. <laughs> oh yeah. And then what are some books you recommend to learn Betty better copywriting? Oh my gosh. I would really have to think about that. Um, I'd have to go back to my college. <laughs> yeah. I definitely list, didn't probably. put that in the list that I sent you, but um. <laughs> I no, I just, I, I don't reference any books when I'm doing it just because most of the knowledge is in my head. If I do need to reference things, I look at like things like the 
um, MLA or um, APA resources online. Um, or just, I mean, just do a lot of like looking things up in the dictionary. Cause um, one thing is like when, like, for example, with your uh, manual that I edited, there were things that I, you know, terms that I'm not familiar with, but that I would want to double check them just to make sure that they were used correctly or that they weren't spelled incorrectly or anything like that. So anytime I personally come across a word that I don't know, I will look it up just to make sure that it's used correctly and most of the time like yours were because you knew that terminology but it's worth it just to check and make sure you're being thorough so I google like a hundred million things while I'm while I'm editing things just because of that but yeah I don't I don't know that I have any like reference books have a good old dictionary <laughs> no I mean that works like whatever sources that you can think of or maybe later on if you email me ones that maybe I could share on social media that you would recommend because you know, like I, so I sell my moose on Amazon. And so we have to have a whole copyright on Amazon just to have an ad. And that's a whole, like, I know there's books on just writing that copyright. And that was like a whole skill set that I didn't learn, but like attempted to learn <laughs> to get an ad going. Yeah. It's, they're all so different. So it just like really depends what platform you're on. Like writing something on Instagram is very different to that sort of thing is very different to writing a blog post is very different to writing a book. Like it's all very, very different. So you have to be able to adapt into what format you're in, which is something that I think I'm good at. And I, I will obviously get even better at as I continue to be exposed to like different platforms as well. Yeah. And then um, is there any good like social media accounts for like copywriting or any resources that you follow um, on Instagram? I, who I think of as the copyright queen the girl who also went to um vermont college of fine arts i have to see if she has an instagram actually i have her on facebook because we're friends but i need to see if she actually has an instagram um her name is geo marcus g-i-e-g-i-o uh, marcus um and she's been doing copywriting her facebook says since 2009 um <laughs> so she she has like big clients like she's Let's see, it says Geo has worked with Tony Robbins team as well as oh, with wow. Deepak Chopra's and her clients are found on Oprah, The Today Show, Goo, Martha Stewart Living, New York Times, la la la. So she has really big clients. Um, she posts things on Facebook, certainly. I'm sure she probably has a newsletter or something on her website if you look her up. Um, she posts things all the time, though, about copywriting. And actually, like when I had the idea to start this, I immediately went to her and was just like, Basically, I think of you as the copywriting queen. And if you have any advice, great. But if not, worry, like you don't need to send me free advice. But um, <laughs> I was basically just like, let me know if you if you ever need any help. If you're ever inundated or anything like that, let me know. So she's incredible. She's also just a really cool person and has a very adorable dog named Cricket. <laughs> and when you reached out to her, was she um, responsive? And because I know that's kind of hard sometimes to find someone in your field who will lend you a hand or help you at all? Yeah, I mean, she's really established. So I think she's not going to feel threatened. Whereas if someone's just start, like if someone came to me and was asking, you know, I, you know, if they were asking me, oh, if you ever have too many clients, I'd just be like, I mean, I don't right now. So it's fine. But, um, you know, she was, she's really established. So she was super gracious and, you know, responded and had a few different pointers for me and a few different resources for me to check out and just said, you know, if I ever run into anything to let her know. So she's, she's amazing. Um, 
But yeah, I think obviously no one owes you free education either. So if she had responded or she didn't respond, I wouldn't be annoyed or anything. Yeah. You know, people's time is worth their, you know, worth money. So if she didn't respond with any free advice for me, then like that would be her prerogative. Well, I just like that you even reached out because I've talked to other business owners who are like, I'm not going to message her. She won't help me. They already have this motion in their head that no one's going to help them and they have to do all on their own. And that's just not true. Like if a spray tanner came up to me, I help people all the time in my direct messages on Instagram. Like, I mean, you wrote a manual. (laughs) I wrote a manual. Yeah. Like literally how I did everything. And it's like, there's enough room for everyone. I've talked about this so many times before, but like the more you help people, the more it comes back to you too. We've, we've said this at different travel, travel companies I've worked with as well. It's like, yeah, you, you worry about your competitors a bit, but really there's enough business for everyone. It's okay. Like you don't need to be so worried about them that you really hinder yourself um, by not getting yourself resources that could be helpful or like I said I mean if you make friends in the industry you're in if they're if they're overworked and they need to pass someone off to you they will so Mm -hmm. like in your industry I'm sure if someone just couldn't get an appointment with with a certain spray tan artist I'm sure if you have friends in the industry they'd say look I can't book you in but you should go see Jess like she's really good yeah and I I I don't get like yeah I mean yes there are competitors but you should also have friends in your industry Yeah, I agree. I remember one time I spilled all my tanning solution and I couldn't get it. You have to order it online. And I knew someone in North Austin who had solution and she like lent it to me. And then I refilled her back up when I got my order in. But like, if I didn't have that friendship, I would have been screwed and like lost a ton of money. Like that was one of like one of my busiest days ever. It was like hundreds of dollars. That makes me anxious just like thinking about it. (laughs) It was super, super stressful. At least my my product isn't something that I can spill. I mean, I could lose my laptop. That would be pretty catastrophic. Yeah. So don't lose your laptop and don't spill your solution. (laughs) I have a list to get a new laptop this year and I'm so pumped, but I'm just like afraid that this one is going to give out before I can get the new one or something and then I'm going to be screwed. Well, it's a tax write-off. That should make you feel better. I know I'm trying to wait until the new the new tax year start uh, here starts in April yeah April so trying to wait until the new tax year to (laughs) make it go on to next year stuff but yeah that is true I can um the way it works here is that you um expenses like that they just basically come off of they take away from your taxable income so something expensive like that it's definitely worth like keeping track of receipts and stuff like that oh for sure I I'll buy like certain stuff like that if I feel like I'm going to be claiming too much or something like that. Like I'd want to be on a different tax bracket or whatever. There's like a lot of strategies. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. It'll be interesting. Obviously like I haven't had a full year of doing this yet and I won't until next tax year. So it'll be interesting to see how it is. And I do have to also file tax in the U S but I don't pay tax in both places. It's kind of a weird setup. Um, yeah, you they, the US and the UK have a treaty, which sounds very old. Um, they have a treaty where basically, unless you make over a certain amount, I think it's into like six digits, unless you make over a certain amount, you don't have to pay tax in both places. Um, and then I think even if you do make over that amount, it's only on the amount above it, if that makes sense. So it's so interesting. Oh, the US and the UK have had a lot. They've had an interesting relationship, to say the least. Yeah, they call it, the, what do they call it? The special relationship, special relationship or something is what they call it. Special friendship. So or weird. I um, mean, yeah. 
we're all basically cousins it's fine yes well okay so now you shared that you are an avid book reader and now I, I, you have to share your favorite book for everyone oh my gosh you you're about to open a can of worms like I'm gonna really have to rein myself in to not be talking about this for half an hour um okay so I set myself a goal last year to read 50 books and I did um and I think I'm gonna surpass it this year because I've already read 10 um but my favorite 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 book I read last year was by the author that I talked about earlier V.E. Schwab um it's called The Invisible Life of Abby LaRue it is the best book I've read in so many years. Uh, I cannot recommend it enough. Some people say it starts slowly. I didn't feel like it started slowly, but if you do feel like that, just stick with it because it is so good. It is such a good book. Um, second favorite book I read last year was The Dutch House by Ann Patchett, another really, really good one. Um, I read, I get my good reads out so I can give some really good recommendations. <laughs> If you like fantasy, that sort of thing, the Bone Season series by Samantha Shannon is really good. I recently reread that because the fourth one came out recently. There are going to be seven, though, so you're going to have to wait a while for the next one. Um, oh, little plug for my friend. My friend Allison Wisdom's first novel came out this month in February. Uh, it's called We Can Save Ourselves. It's really good if you're interested in cults. Um, that was great then let's see how do i look at my old yeah past challenges 2020 oh, so many good books last year <laughs> brit bennett is fantastic everybody's been talking about the vanishing half by brit bennett which is very good uh she, her first book is called the mother that's also excellent uh i read station 11 by emily st john mandel which was amazing, but if you have pandemic anxiety, I would not recommend reading it right now because it's about a, like a kind of post-apocalyptic pandemic world, uh, but it was very good. If you like crime or mystery, I really recommend the Irish writer, Tana French. She has a six book uh, series that are sort of interconnected called The Dublin Murder Squad that's very good. And she has two standalone books that are also great. Such a Fun Age by Kylie Reed. Hamnet by Maggie O'Farrell. Oh, so many good ones last year. A lot of rereads I did. Oh, um, a little bit older of one. I don't know, about a few years ago. There's A Little Life by Hanya. I'm going to make sure the last name. Hanya Yanagihara, I think, um, is a massive book, like 700 pages or something. But I think I cried for about the last like 150 pages. Like my face was destroyed. Uh, and then Where the Crawdads Sing was very good. Queenie by Candace Cardi Williams. So many good ones. I was really spoiled last year for good books. I think I do Goodreads really religiously as well. And I don't think I rated any book under like a four star last year out of five. Wow. <laughs> they were so good. Well, I love reading some good books. So I was writing down those as I was looking away. That's what I was doing. Well, I recommend that you follow me, uh, my bookstagram, as well as my, or you follow my business Instagram. Um, is it called business Instagram? Is, no, it's, so my business Instagram is be your editor with B with two E's. Um, and then my bookstagram B is reading. So B E is reading. I'm following that. Right? And that I just started like last week. So 
I'm posting lots right now to try and get lots of posts up, but obviously that will calm down a bit as I uh, off. <laughs> well, thank you so much for sharing all this. Um, I've always loved writing. I used to be obsessed with writing when I was younger, so I can respect your skill. I definitely didn't pursue anything with it, but I respect that you did because I know it takes a certain eye and it can be very draining. So I appreciate people like you who will do that work. Oh, thank you. Hopefully I'll really have my own book to put out in the world. I tend to be really good at uh, knuckling down and editing people's stuff and not as great about doing it to my own. So um, hopefully I will eventually have that, but until then, yeah, just, just let me know if you need any other help, obviously, or if I can do anything. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming on and spending this time with me and being all the way in the UK and me in the US. And I really hope things find some normalcy over there pretty soon. And I'm sure you want to visit your family and things like that can open up and you can do all those things. But you yeah, know, the silver lining is you do have your new business now as crappy definitely. as everything has been. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's such a, you know, it's such a different mentality now that we at least have the dates in mind for when things are going to reopen. Um, so already I feel mentally a lot better about it, but yeah, I think we're, we're at the final stretch of all this. It's just that we have to keep going and, and, um, stick together and just, you know, it, things will get back to normal. It just takes time. <laughs> yes. Well, thank but you. Yeah. As you said, sometimes good things have come out of it as well, just like the business and things like that. So. Yeah. Well, thank you again. Thank you so much though for having me. Yeah. And I'll keep following your journey on social media. And when something comes up in the future, I will definitely be using you. Well, I'll be following along with you as well. So we're just cheering each other on from afar. <laughs> Perfect. Well, thank you again and have a great rest okay. of your night. Okay. Thanks. You have a good day. Okay. You too. Bye. Bye. Again, thank you for listening to Don't Call Me Girl Boss. The best way to support this podcast is by liking and subscribing and leaving us a review on iTunes and following us on Instagram at Don't Call Me Girl Boss. There is a new episode every Sunday, usually in the afternoon or at night. Thank you again for listening.